You're listening to a DM podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the podcast with the best banter, greatest gut feels, and most ridiculous narratives on planet Earth. Get ready to dominate the NRL fantasy season with the team from Top King League. G'day guys, welcome to Talking League, we're a weekly NRL fantasy podcast, doing some early previews, so today we've got the Waz, Cowboys, Eels and Panthers, I'm your host TK, joining me as always, I've got my main man Brenton in the house, B, how are you mates, you're looking at some metal this weekend bud, you're, you're pretty pumped. <laughs> yeah, it was going good, we um, went to the Electric Cowboy gig last night, and it was, um, that was so much fun, so sweaty. Um, so then a day off today, and then we've got the Good Things Festival in Brisbane tomorrow. So um, you. that's going to be an even bigger day. Mate, we're 40 now, just remember. You might be hurting come Monday. Uh, I've got the day off. So. Oh, there you go. That's All why right. we're 40. We actually, yeah, the other yeah. night, I actually went out on Wednesday night as well, and I just took Thursday off because, yeah, effectively I was dead. So Yeah, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Exactly right, mate. Well, I think this might be one of the uh, – I can see some – Plenty of fantasy relevance between the Waz, Cows, Eels and Panthers. If you haven't yet, last week's episode covered the Titans, Manly, Storm and Knights. And then we kicked things off with the Bronx, Sharks, Raiders, Dogs and the Finns. Just remember, you can also tune into Talking Sport and Talking Shit during the preseason. So plenty of content there. Just scroll into the channel. But NRL news here, B, we've got plenty around. Now we'll start with the Titans because they've signed your man, Harley Smith-Shields, who you started with last year. But for me, mate, this is kind of like... He's just a depth signing man. Like, he's at the bottom of the depth chart, but thoughts? Yeah, I don't see why Parramatta aren't making a play for him, honestly. Um, I feel like they're the ones who are short on outside backs, and yet everyone else is getting outside backs except them. Um, but, yeah, depth signing, 100%. Like, they're already talking about um, putting Brimson into the centres just to have him on the field, to mm. have Jaden Campbell at fullback. So that's one position in the back line where you had depth signings, but you've got a state of origin player going in there. So how much game time is he actually going to get? Yeah, exactly right. Now, moving on, uh, some of that might be a bit fantasy relevant here. We did mention him early in the Broncos preview. We're talking about Fletcher Baker, mate, because he's done a couple of interviews this week. He's looking pretty fit here, man. And just having a look at kind of what he's done this year, he had three starts at the Roosters here, B, and he he had a 40 average in 40 minutes. And given that Flegler's role is a 40-minute role, there could be a, a bit of juice here for round one. I think it's one of those ones where you have to wait and see because we don't know who's going to be that starting prop next to Payne Haas. Like, are they actually going to move Pat Carrigan into the eight? Are they going to have Corey Jensen do the role there? <sighs> yeah, so it's going to be a wait and see. But if he's getting 40 to 50 minutes, because um, what, what was his average at the end of the year? His average was like 28, so he's going to be priced around there. Yeah. So if he's named there around one, I'm, I'm probably, probably pretty keen, especially I'm, I'm keen to get a few of these Vegas people out of the way too, man. That's a really good plan, I think. Um, yeah, especially if like you're getting, you're gonna get that ten point average because um, he was he was probably gonna get about what thirty minutes at the Roosters, and if he's got a twenty eight average in thirty minutes, almost a one ppm. So if he's getting forty to fifty, then 
you've got your 10 points average there if he keeps the same thing up. Yeah, and also Broncos, no no bias to that round 13. So if you can get a few of them together, especially the ones that aren't going to play Origin like Fletcher, it's definitely someone to keep on our radar. Now, next one. Now, we're going to be talking about the Wires today, but RTS, he was in the telly today, sorry, during the week, and he had an interview about coming back to the Warriors and then also switching over to the centres. But we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later in the show. Next one, Connor Tracy, mate. He's officially signed with the Doggies. Unfortunately, he has torn his calf as a Doggies fan. A little bit of... It's rough, mate, because essentially you are getting a quality player. I don't know where he fits, but then he's injured. I I could see him as fullback, honestly. Mm. Um, and I think that... And putting Stephen Crichton in the centres... Um, or vice versa, uh, depending on what they actually plan to do with Stephen Crichton being the marquee signing. Um, yeah, it was his last training session at the Sharks too, wasn't it, before he, he was, was on, on the way. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, at the end of the day, Phil Gould, he's got the long-term approach anyway, so I don't think this would be like, oh, why did we sign him? It's Let's, let's look at the big picture of uh, what's he going to offer us in the, uh, throughout the middle of the year and maybe the next two years after that, because he signed a three-year deal off memory. Yeah. Um, so... Um, I actually think it's probably speaking more to the how Bronson Zeri's potentially going. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So, yeah. Because at the end of the day, I think everyone's thinking he's just going to be a walk-up starter. He's been out of the game for four years. And if you, I guess the example you'd probably look at is Sandor Earl when he had his ban and he came back and everyone was like, oh, remember, he was a gun winger. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And he didn't really do anything. So. Yeah. Maybe people are getting a bit carried away with Bronson Zeri, and maybe they see that already. Um, I could actually see him playing the first few games in New South Wales Cup just to get his legs under him. Well, we brought that up in week one, didn't we? Because we did think that expectations of Sherry to just return to the form that he shown four years ago was a little bit getting carried away. But thinking about how they're going to line up here, B, like with Stephen Crichton potentially staying in the centres, does he play right and shore up that right edge or does he switch over to the left and he's all of a sudden with Adokar, Burden and Kikau and probably the most outstanding left edge in the comp? I think it'd be left, to be honest. I, I see Karaz potentially being the right winger, uh, mm. the right centre, yeah. uh, or the right winger, depending on... I, I think the odd man out in this this scenario is Blake Wilson. Uh, where he has re-signed a deal, but with how many outside backs they're getting and the quality they're getting, I can see him potentially being the odd man out and then um, them just chopping and changing and who they've got in the back line. Yeah, I had a little bit of a look at where Wilson came from. So he's, I remember we were chatting a little bit whether he's a junior. So he, he came from the Sunny Coast, actually, mate. He wasn't, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, sunny Coast quite, Falcons, up yeah. way. So he couldn't get a crack at the Storm. He was just kept getting put uh, behind the Storm's reserve grade players getting brought back to the Q Cup, and that's the reason why he moved down to Sydney. But very impressive young man. Now, moving on. Now, Manly has started a new YouTube show, which is always great. I love when teams actually do show us some footage from the preseason, but there's no doubt that it is highly kind of edited because essentially the last five minutes is all about Turbo and how he looks good. Like, there's no doubt that they've edited, but I've no doubt that people are going to fall for the trap. Like, we did speak about it last week about maybe giving it three dates, but it is just good to see him back on the paddock, man. Yeah, for, for NRL and for football in general, it's good to watch him, uh, especially when he's on. Um, and it'd be probably interesting to see if uh, Luke Brooks unlocks him probably even more on the other mm. side because they haven't really had a quality 5-8 uh, there for a little bit. So that could be interesting. Um, in terms of fantasy, though, it has to be a three-day rule with someone who's, you know, quote-unquote injury-prone, um, yeah, you just don't want to. You don't want to have to start burning trades early. He's also got a pretty high average, so I think he's going to be a bit pricey. 
Yeah, for a one-on-one for sure. Now, something you mentioned last week, and it is official now, Tom Eisenhuth, he's officially signed with the Dragons, man. So, pretty good signing there. I do think that he'd probably maybe work his way maybe onto the bench probably for round one, but someone to keep an eye on, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I can't see him starting. Um, although they did lose Billy Burns. So, again, I, I think Jack Bird's the... Um uh, the tiebreaker in this one is where does he play? If he's in the back, if he's in the back row, then you know Jaden Sewer, Jack Bird, Jack DeBellin are you are you back three um, for forwards? Uh, but you know he, he might snag that second row spot. I don't mm. see him being a prop, so um, I, I see him as a bench player, and I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, mate. Another one, Tyrell Sloan's added a broken thumb to his ankle injury. So, oh, really? yeah, it just was released this morning on NRL.com. So, all these, everything we're discussing here, just have a look at the show notes. I'll have the direct links if you want to kind of go a little bit more depth. But, yeah, he's broken his thumb. Mate, I've got a feeling that this will give the go-ahead for Lomax to move back to fullback and Bert's back to yeah. the centres, man. Yeah, that, that's exact. As soon as you told me about that broken thumb, that's the exact scenario I started playing in my head. So, uh, Zachy Lomax might be, might be a set-and-forget centre. Especially if he's oh, and draft mate, he's going to be very liked in draft league. Where did he finish? He had finished with a forty three average. Be very interesting just to see how he actually does line up. He played, didn't he? You know, one game he covered at fullback, didn't he? And he killed, he killed it. Right? Is that uh, am I getting that right? No, I don't recall. Um, but I'll tell you what would be the most valuable part is getting a dual tag because you, if your Tyrell Sloan's not going to be there round one, and they just even put Zach Lomax at fullback, um, you're going to have a dual position player straight mm. off the bat. Absolutely. We'll keep an eye on for that one. Now, Jamal Fogarty, we were very, very high on in that week one show that we had. Resigned with the Raiders, which is great news. So he's resigned for another couple of years. We both do think that he will be the leader moving forward and plenty of value there in terms of the goal kicking. Kicking and I think just the general responsibility. I think we both, for me, just just off the top of my head, I, I do think he can project easily mid-50s. Yeah, I'm. he's pretty well penciled into my side uh, right now. Uh, I'll probably watch trials a little bit just to mm. see, um, I guess, how that combination works, who they actually put at the six, um, how much they're gelling, because you could be a gun fullback, but if your team's going shit, then, you know, you're probably not going to be putting up the numbers that you need to. Um, so, yeah, I don't... He, he's saying, oh, I'm going to go test the open market. That didn't last long, did it? No, it didn't. Once he's... No, yeah, so I, he gave him what I he think, wanted. I think, yeah, exactly right. So I think it was just a bit of a bully play, but he, yeah, it's quick. Quick to grab the bag, I guess. Do we know how much he signed for? Oh, you'd have to think, given the quality of the market, and he's at the back end of his career, it'd have to be minimum 700, I reckon. Yeah, I'm thinking around that seven to 800, mate. Oh, maybe just the 700, because he's not... He's, he's not, not elite, right? One. Yeah. No, nah, he's not tier one halfback, but the amount of organising halfbacks, you know, they're, they're, they don't they're grow on trees. And yeah. You can't, yeah, there's none out there. Absolutely, mate. Now, speaking of the Raiders, Simi Sasagi, he's, he's going to move to the back row permanently. So he's probably another one in that kind of contention line for that 14 jersey, depending on what sort of versatility they want to bring. They've got a couple of players around there, probably not fantasy relevant, but just keep that on the radar. The next one is Cody Nikarima. He's looking at, yeah, he's setting his sights on the Finns number six, which I think rightfully so he'd be. I think back end of the season, he he rightfully should be contending for it, even with young Katoa. And then I think the man that might be under a little bit of pressure actually might be O'Sullivan. Yeah, O'Sullivan, he... Um, oh, no, that wasn't a real injury, was it? That's just when he smashed himself on a garage door. Um, <laughs> but I um, I I think Cody Nickarim is going to be a victim of his own versatility, and he'll be the 14. Um, Isaiah Katoa is showing too much promise, I think, as a 5'8", and yeah. learning the game. Um, and Nick Arima can cover that kind of fullback spot, center, hooker. Um, 
I think he's just too valuable to be um, to be just the six. I think his his spot is on the bench. Um, I also think with how well he did last year, he's going to price himself out of fantasy relevance anyway. Yeah, for sure. Now, just turning to Origin here, B. Now, Madge obviously officially is the Blues coach. He did put a few people on notice. He wants to pick a team on form, which will be quite interesting because essentially, if you pick a team on form, does that mean James Tedesco's in a pretty big danger of dropping out of this team? Yeah, uh, it's. I think that's just a media front. Like, if Nathan Cleary's not playing that well, as if you're not picking him. Yeah. You know, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. He's just, I think that's just to try and light a fire under the incumbents. Um, but I, I think there's going to be an element of loyalty still in there. Um, and then the other positions which aren't locked down, like maybe your front rowers or um, somewhere like that, maybe centers, wingers, uh, maybe they're going to be on form. Yep. But your you, spine players, like I think Tedesco is going to be safe. I think Cleary's going to be safe. Um, and probably Appy as well. Yeah, well. Say, yo, like those four there straight off the bat. If they're not, if they're playing bad, you're not dropping them still. Yeah, interesting you bring up Appy because I do want to talk obviously about Reese Robson when we get to the Cowboys today. But next, Kalen Ponga, he's back available for Origin and he's setting his sights on the number one jersey. Interesting one here because essentially Queensland, they line up with either Harry Grant or Ben Hunt on the bench, which essentially means they can't carry Ponga and Walsh in the same 17. So we could have someone very fantasy relevant that is playing around the Origin period, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'd be. I don't think they're going to give him the dual tag again, like the wing fullback half. Um, if they if they gave that to him, then he's if, he's probably a screaming buy for a set and forget wing fullback. Well, you don't think um, he's going to keep his his uh, half tag because he did play quite a few number of games, didn't he? There, but uh, he, he only played a little bit at the start. I'll tell you. But at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, like common sense has to prevail. It's just like, oh, you played four games at as half. Let's just say five. It's, it's five. There you go. So five out of a uh, twenty-four games, plus, oh, in case he had injuries or whatever. But he he was a fullback, and that's where he's going to line up in the trials. That's where he's most likely going to play. I think they'll take the half off him. We'll keep an eye on that one. Now, next one, Panthers are actually going to be going over to the UK this year, next year to do the World Club Challenge. That's on Sunday, the 25th of Feb, so the week before they actually kick things off in Vegas. But a bit of travel here for the Panthers, especially a team that had a deep run all the way into the grand final. Any concern that they might be a little bit light on their legs? Uh, not, not really, to be honest. At the end of the day, the main player that everyone's going to have is Nathan Cleary. Um, he may have a, a slow first or second game, but... You, you're going to wear that when probably 40 to 50% of coaches have him. Um, and you don't have to use a trade to get him in at some stage. And I don't think his price would drop enough to make it you know, relevant to wait to buy him. Uh, so, yeah, tra- the travel doesn't bother me, to be honest. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the Panthers chat. Now, Billy Burns, he's signed with the Sharks. There's also chat Chris Lewis is also on his way from the Storm to the Sharks as well. So a couple of guys, just depth signings there. But I guess with Wade Graham gone and Teague Wilden going back into the starting lineup, there's no doubt they needed a couple of edges. And not too bad, you know. I don't think it's overspending. And a couple of good guys just there for depth. Yeah, I like Chris Lewis. Is that because he's from the sunny coast? So, no, I just like him as a footballer, to be honest. <laughs> Two things about the Cows to finish. So, Tom Chester, he's re-signed with the Cows. He's also back from his ACL. Says he's going to be right for round one, which is really, really pleasing. And then probably Zach Labor, who we'll talk about in the Cows preview here. He's also re-signed and entered the top 30, which is big news. It's going to be interesting where they price him, though, BB. Yeah, I, I don't actually see him getting a starting spot um, straight away. Uh, with because um, I think the main man that people are forgetting is um, Viliami Valea from the Warriors. Yep. 
Um, so I think, uh, I think, I think he'll be pushing for that last spot in the back line, but I don't see him getting it to the start. Probably a good sign that they moved into the top 30, though, because essentially taking him off the development list where he doesn't qualify for round one means that they yeah, actually do want him to actually have a, a strong competition over the preseason. Yeah, he could play in the halves as well, can't he? Oh, I think his brother might be a half. I think oh, it's it, his brother. Oh, Kyle Labor. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Sorry. Getting the um, surnames. Oh, good. And the last one, we spoke about this just before we kicked off, and Val Meninga, he's been sent to boot camp by Wayne Bennett. I do feel for him a little bit. I don't think they needed to make it totally public, but he's currently 125 kilos, which is not good. Yes, yeah, so I, I do feel sorry for him as a fellow obese human, apparently. Um, <laughs> Judging on, on the scans that I just did at the gym today, um, but yeah, how, how they worded that was pretty pretty shit. Like, cool. let's just say, let's just say, oh, you need to go get your fitness up or anything. Not say uh, you're a fat shit and go to the boot camp. So, yeah, it, it, at, in saying that as well, the he does need to lose weight. He got, I think, he got exposed a fair bit on those edges mm. um, because of just his lack of movement and not not being up to pace. Um, Damaging with the ball in attack, but if you can't stop tries, there's no point. I think so. he should just move to the edge, to be honest, the second rower. I think maybe Sensor might not be his gig. Yeah, maybe even a bench player. Maybe yeah. bring bring him on as like an impact forward. We're going to say utility, mate, because we're loving that word right now. Oh, I, you know, I don't label him utility. The Bulldogs will sign him. <laughs> no doubt. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that, that was all the NRL news from this week. So just have a look at the show notes if you want to go into depth or you want to have a look at the links. Now, B, let's move on. Let's move to the cows first here, mate. Now, they've signed that man you just mentioned, Viliami Avea-Lea from the Warriors. 2024 losses, James Tamau. Peter Hiku, Mitch Dunn is retired. Ben Hampton, Brendan Elliott, Riley Price has gone to the Panthers. Uh, Shibazaki is unsigned. Jake Burke, uh, Taniela Sadrugu, he's gone to French rugby. So more losses than games. But, B, I'm pretty keen on a few of these cows. And the reason why is they're deep by, mate, round 16. So I do think that we do need to have a, a real... Good look at this. They, they kick off with the Dolphins, Knights, Dragons and Broncos for their opening month. So not too bad of a start to the season. But let's let's talk about bounce back because there's no doubt that their position on the ladder had a combination of their stars not performing and also not having health. First guy I want to talk to you about is Jason Tamulolo, who kind of fell off a bit of a cliff last year. But considering where he's probably going to be open up in terms of pricing, just going to have a look at where he finished average-wise last year. Finished at a 34 average. Is he in your thoughts potentially to track over the preseason and maybe pick up round one? Maybe tracking through the preseason, but I think like back back a few years ago when he was the the go-to front row or middle forward. Um, all these other players hadn't really made a name for themselves, like your Ruben Cotters or anything like that. So there was so much reliant on Jason Tamalolo. Now mm. they've actually got a decent squad in that forward pack that take the pressure on him. He doesn't actually need to do those 300-meter run games um, with you know 30 tackles. So he's not in my thoughts um, just yet. Um, maybe a late play in draft if you needed to have like a bench middle and um, someone who could go could go bang, but um, not really an interest for me at the moment. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see his interviews during the preseason. If he's looking fit and he's in a good mindset, he actually is, in my thoughts, 
48 minutes he averaged last year. Obviously, that fell down six minutes from the year before. No doubt he's aging, and he's not the same player that he was when he was at his destructive best. But I do still think that there could be some value there, especially with the 30. If he gets priced around that 34 average, I do think there's someone we should be tracking. Another mid-mate, Ruben Cotter. He came out of the blocks pretty fast, but then he kind of died in the arse a little bit there. And he probably is another one that is... At his best, maybe a 10-point value there, considering he finished with, just having a look, I think it was a 44 42, average, 42, 42 average. 42. There's no doubt that, in my mind, that he could easily be a 50 to 55 scorer when he's at his best, but thoughts? Yeah, right now he's penciled into my team. Uh, I, I rate him so highly. It's also one of those ones, like, when you you, you find a position where it's like, oh, what's the tiebreaker? Mm. And it's like, do I enjoy watching that guy play? And it's, yeah, we love him, and, right? And everyone loves Ruben Cotter. Just, you know, go, like, you know, punch above his weight in terms of, you know, playing in the front row is a bloody how how heavy is he? Is he like ninety something kilos? Well, he's not overly tall, is he? Like he'd be rigging wet, I reckon ninety five. Let's have a little look if I can bring up his yeah. profile. Ninety five kilos on the dot, mate. There you go, and he's going up against the likes of Adam Fanua Blakes, who are like one hundred and twenty odd kilos, and no fear in the bloke. So and folding him right, so yeah, that's right. Got the, got the perfect amount of um, controlled aggression. So yeah, mate, he's penciled into my side right now. Um, and then and I know they've got that late buy as well, but it wouldn't really. We caught a he'll go to he'll go to Origin, he'll go to anyway. origin. Yep. correct. So. Um, in that case, that's when you probably look at making moves when you got those extra trades up your sleeve um, if you wanted to move him on. And if he's got that 10-point value, then you've made money as well as getting good scores. Yeah, mate. Another one, uh, Reese Robson. Reese Robson started the season really well. No doubt that Origin probably affected his back end of the season because he went from scoring just 50s and 60s to the back end of the season. He was struggling sometimes to score 30s. What I do like about Reese Robson, not only about the buy, the man you mentioned before was not in the calculations for Origin last year, and that's Happy Coruscant. There's no doubt that Damian Cook's also going to be in the mix. So I don't mind what I... What I like about Robson is, number one, I'm very confident that he'll play 70, 80 minutes every week, which I don't have the same confidence with the other hookers. I know his quality from the past, and they've got deep buys anyway, so I wouldn't mind having a hooker of his quality into that round 13, whether he goes to origin or not. Yeah, I'm wary of it because of how well Reese Robson actually, I think how well he did in the origin arena. I could see Reese Robson being that 14. Mm. No, I think he's well in the mix, man. Yeah, so I think I think they'll run Appy at nine, um, and uh, Reese Robson at fourteen uh, because Reese Robson can cover that little bit extra. Um, the the wild card in that is Damian Cook, and obviously he'd probably have a bit of a relationship with Madge from South's days. Mm. Um, but if Madge is being serious about uh, what he's doing, picking on form and everything, I think Damian Cook aging, Appy's still um, pretty young. Same with uh, Reese Robson, so I think Damian Cook's the one to miss out. Um, so I don't see as much value in Reese Robson. Um, I would much rather probably go like a Reed Marnie or someone like that who's going to be cheaper, and we know he's not going to get picked. Do you think Kurt Mann might take some minutes from him, though? That's the, that's what I like about Robson. I, I do think that he's going to be playing 80 minutes every week. I think Reed might be on a bit of a downer here coming up. Yeah, well, did Reese Robson play 80 every week? Didn't they had Pretty Jake much, Granville. man. Yeah, I, I know they had Jake Granville come I'll tell you on. what he averaged. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... <sighs> yeah, the pretty same much. Type. Average 79 minutes last year. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think it may be, might be one to watch for the trials. I'm not saying Reed Marnie is the answer and don't, like, go buy Reed Marnie and don't buy um, Reese Robson because Reese Robson probably has a bit better pedigree over the last couple of years. Um, 
But again, it's picking players who definitely aren't in the origin mix. Um, and if they're going to score similar, um, you know, that, that, that's the way I'd lean. Now, mate, Scotty Drinkwater, one of our best buys from last year, was around that kind of the magic round period last year when we jumped on him because there's no doubt that we saw the quality of who he was. He got in trouble early with the send-off and a few other different little things, and there's no doubt that he's turned his form around. It was around the Sharks game by memory, and then obviously he went on a very similar run to Callum Ponger into the back end of the year. But has he kind of maybe his average is 50 is he a guy that we would put on the radar considering his quality? He's probably not going to be in the mix for the Origin team compared to Ponga. Is it one of those yeah. things that we're conserving a buy and maybe getting the same sort of scoring out of him? Yeah, it's just in a position that I don't like spending big on at the start. Um, I'd much rather fill up my wing fullbacks with kind of mid-rangers because it's such a, you know, it's such a fleeting position. Like... Even like the James Tedesco's of the world who are averaging 50 to 55, mm. they've always got a 20 in them somewhere. Um, and Scott Drinkwater is no exception. He oh. had he had games that were like, you know, I think he had a 12 in there as well. But that's when everyone had him, so it didn't matter. But you don't want to be the guy who's taken a punt on Drinkwater at the start. Not as many people have. Mm. And then you, you're getting those smaller scores because, again, fullbacks are relying on attacking stats. So um, not... Not one for me. Um, I'll be I'll be looking for mid rangers and um and looking to buy keepers probably in that middle period of the season. Yeah, nice strategy. I'll keep him on my radar for sure. Another bounce back that I'm thinking Jeremiah Nanai. No doubt that I don't know maybe the longer season with the World Cup and his new contract maybe got to his head a little bit. No doubt underperformed last year. His body really let him down. But I do think with another preseason under his belt, maybe getting his mindset right. I think that I think we will see a bounce back. Probably not a classic one, but I do think a late draft one that I definitely will. Be keeping a radar, keeping a radar on. Yeah, I agree. Um, he, you got to remember that first rookie year that he had. He was scoring tries for fun, mm. uh, ca- catching him from kicks, breaking the line, just being strong, being not as well known. And then, I guess teams kind of adapted to him being a, t- a point of attack, and with him not scoring those tries, plus everything that you said before, uh, brought his average right down. So, um, I think there's better value in that edge position for what he's going to be priced at. So, again, like the likes of Josh Currens, et cetera, um, provided they get starts. But, um, yeah, one to keep an eye on for late draft for sure. Now, with Peter Hickey moving to the UK, definitely an open opportunity for a centre to come in here. Now, we spoke about Zach Labert re-signing. We spoke about Viliami Vailia coming in. And then last year, they also did try to Alagi also on the centre. So you have to think they're the three main candidates there and I think it's a bit of a shoot off to whoever plays in the trials I don't, like right now would you say maybe Tualaki given his experience might be ahead uh, yeah I think so I think I think Tualaki and even if like because Valea the Warriors he played centre didn't he so even if they leave Tualaki on the wing and put Valea in the centres um, I think that's got that some form of combination like that is what's going to happen um, but we've got to remember Tualaki is also um, probably a walk in for origin with how he played last series Super impressed. I, I was watching Zach Labert a few times for PNG just recently. He played very, very well. And now, just in these four games, he had a 16, 32, 62, and 38 for a 37 average, which is quite impressive for a young bloke. His last two games as well scored three tries in two in two games. Do we expect a discount given he's only played four games? He is averaging 37, maybe a slight five-pointer. Is that Labert? Labert, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Um, I think you might get a slight discount, but even then, um, if he's got an over 30 average and that's what he's priced at, mate, no interest from me. Mm. Could be a nice little late drafter one to definitely put onto your bench just to see if he starts. Now, B, let's move on to the Parramatta Eels. Now, another team, it's kind of two of these teams in a row, the two probably most disappointing teams along with South from last year because they made prelims and then... Did not make the finals at all the next year. But 2024 games, both from Manly, and it's Kelma Tuolagi and Morgan Harper. And then 2024 losses, Jack Murchie, Josh Hodgson's retired, Andrew Davies retired, Waka Blake's unsigned, even though I did hear some rumours about maybe him going to the Cowboys. And then Samuel Loizo, he went to the West Tigers as well. Now, probably the main man that I want to pick your brain on here, and he's he's been doing a few podcasts lately, and it's been really good to see because... Talk about Sean Lane, and he's he's doing a fair bit in mental health and also telling his story about his family, especially his father. So definitely highly recommend that you do in your on your Spotify. Just search Sean Lane. I listened to a really good one the other day that he did with Keegan Hipgrave, but really open and really positive stuff around mental health. So good on Sean Lane. But mate, last year not his not a great season for him. He broke his jaw in the trials. Then he came back, did another injury back end of the season. So we never really saw that Dillbags and him combination on the left edge. But what it did open up was uh, he's pretty much very much underpriced in terms of his quality, man. Yeah, he's one of my first picked at the moment, to be honest. he's Because um, when he came back from that injury as well, he um, he did some time off the bench. Mm. So that that's brought his um, average right down. I think he had an average of like in the mid-30s. 35, man. 35, oh, there you go. Definitely mid-30s. So um, we know what kind of pedigree he had when he was um, you know running those great lines off Dylan Brown um, and when Parramatta were actually firing. So... Um, I think he's a minimum forty to forty-five point player, even on bad games. So, um, I think you, I think you lock him in for sure. Now, looking elsewhere, now Joe O, he came in late into the team. They did struggle a little bit with their rotation. I don't know what's going to happen here because no doubt that Joe O is a quality player, right? But does he keep? Does he start taking some minutes, especially with uh, Paolo? He's kind of declining, and you know he's getting a little bit older. Do they maybe give Hopgood? There's no doubt that Hopgood was a little bit cooked. I think last year, I think he was playing way too many minutes. But thoughts? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you on the Hopgood theory because um, he was playing. I think in his like second or third game, he played 85 minutes straight, because um, um, which was the. Uh, golden point game with the Panthers. Mm. So he was just playing so many minutes. And I – is Joe Offengowie the player to take minutes off them? I don't know because I, I, don't, I don't see Junior Polo really declining that much. And Regan Campbell-Gillard's still going great. Um, actually, how old is Joe Offengowie compared to Junior Polo? Yeah, good question. I feel, like, I feel like they've both been around the same time. He is going to be just having a look at his Wikipedia, and let's hope this is right. He is twenty-eight years old. Oh, he goes a bit younger than I thought. Yeah, I think um, Junior Paul uh, might be thirty-one, thirty yeah. years old. He's just about yeah, yeah thirty. Yep. Yeah, so I think with Junior Paulo, with still what what he's offering is for that Parramatta side. I don't think think his role really decreases too much. Um, so I don't, I don't see Joe Offengawi taking much more of a role than what he did last year. For sure. And I think you know, we both just did chat about Hopgood. I think he was one of those ones 
we got what we needed out of him in 2023. Still a very good option when it comes to draft, probably around that second round. But in terms of classic, unless it might not be a bad thing for him to play a little bit less minutes, maybe drop in price, and then maybe we can consider him around that origin period if he doesn't make it into Queensland. But probably a spot for contentious here is probably left centre, mate, because Bailey Simonson had a not-too-bad run there at times, and then they've signed also Morgan Harper. So who would you have in front here, B? Uh, well, I would pro- probably right now I'd have Bailey Simonson, which is a bit weird because I think Morgan Harper's probably the better footballer. Mm. But but Bailey Simonson, he uh, you know when he was at Canberra and when he was at Parramatta on the wing, he was average at best, I think, uh, from an NRL standard. But when he went into the centres, I actually thought he made a really really good fist of it. Um, so again, it's probably not his natural position, but he's learning it. And if he's performing in there, I think he should get first crack. Well, Remember that, that run he went on, mate, where he was scoring tries? I think it was like five or six games in a row. He was nearly a buy at some stage there. Yeah, he was, he was dual position as well, so every, a lot of people were jumping on him. For sure. Now, mate, Hook is another position. Josh Hodson, he retired, but we saw a few good things here from both Brandon Hands and then Joey Lussick. Do you think they run the two hookers and it's probably going to eat both of their kind of value up a little bit, man? Yeah, I see if it, if the end of the season was anything to go off, I think Joey Lussick gets the nine. Um, and I think Brendan Hands can play in the halves as well, which makes him essentially the perfect 14. For sure. Well, we'll track a few other players, but at this stage, probably not a lot of fantasy relevant relevance coming up unless there's a junior we just haven't heard from. Their 17 probably picks itself at this stage. Moving over to the Panthers, and interesting, a team that's won so many premierships, and I know they've lost players, but they also have a few good gains here, B. Now, 2024 gains, Dane Laurie returns from the Tigers, Brad Schneider returns from the UK, and then Paul Alamotti, he moves over from the Dogs. 2024 losses, Stephen Crichton, Spencer Linu, Jermaine Salmon, Jack Cogger, Tom Jenkins, Chris Smith, and Eddie Blacker. Now, they keep Kick off the season with, as I mentioned before, they go over to Wigan for the World Club Challenge. Their first four games, pretty hard here, B. Storm, Eels, Broncos, and Roosters. So, interesting one. Does the draw put you off at all on the on the Panthers? Um, not really. Uh, because, again, you've since since the 17th team came in, you're not overloading on teams because you, otherwise when they have their first buy, then you're screwed. Mm. So I think, again, I think the only person anyone's going to really buy probably round one is Nathan Cleary. Um, the only other one that's really on my radar, depending on how they price him, is Taylor May. Um, and depending on where they play him. Yeah, we're going to talk um, about that for sure. Now, in terms of a buy, there is... You could get Cleary from round one and hold him all the way to round 27 because their buy schedule is very good when you consider his buys around 16 and 19 where effectively he would have been missing anyway. Origin, anyway. Penrith generally will have the buy after Origin and then maybe one or two, but they've had two scheduled in there, which is really juicy for fantasy players because effectively he would have missed them anyway and he's going to pr- probably back up or, you know, fingers crossed, you know, we don't know what the game's going to happen, but more likely than not, probably back up. So I think he's a really good spot if you actually do want to take him from round one. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be the most popular, like, tier one player again this year uh, from the get-go because, you know, no, no, no real coach is put off by the million-dollar price tag anymore mm. because they know that you've got a captain who's a set-and-forget who's going to get year 60 to 70 points rather than that captain who's maybe 100 grand cheaper but has the chance of getting a 40 or a 50. Yeah, see, my thoughts now at the moment is, because I do see a number of cheapies coming up, I'm actually thinking of maybe getting Haas, Nico, and Cleary, 
and figuring out the rest after that and just locking those guys in because effectively I actually I know that a lot of people want to take Cleary over Hines but realistically I think Hines is actually in front of Cleary Cleary hasn't Hines has beat him for two years straight out Sharks got a better draw he's a lot fresher than Nathan Cleary his probability of going to origin is pretty much nothing so for me I do think that Nico Hines is in front of Cleary in terms of him being in my team Mm, yeah it's a tough one but I guess it just comes down to personal preference on, again, who you prefer to watch. Um, for me, it is Nathan Cleary, um, even though Nico is fantastic in, in fantasy and what he's doing. Um, the other unknown, I guess, is um, for the uh, for a full season, how much is Braden Trindle going to affect Nico hmm. uh, with, with kicking and potentially taking playmaking? Because I think Braden Trindle right now is better than Matt Moylan, um, so may shoulder a bit more responsibility where we know... <clears throat> Excuse me. We know what Cleary is going to do, even with Luai in the team. That's an interesting point. I was about to say, does the all the media talk around Luai and potentially him leaving? Like before, they had some really capable backups because effectively Cogger and then Salmon could play five eight. They're effectively gone. So I'm not sure who actually plays five eight if Luai actually does leave, especially if they're tossing up a swap deal with. David Klemmer, which I don't think makes much uh, sense. No, Greg Alexander came out and said that was all BS, I'm pretty sure. Um, whereas, like, I don't know where that's come from, and maybe that's um, so, the uh, manager bringing it up or anything, but he said that was never discussed from uh, Panthers' perspective. He's not the most reliable um, source, though. No, yeah, that is true. But I, I also still do rate Brad Schneider. Yeah, he could, maybe, he could maybe swap into that. Because we did remember a couple of years ago, we got him straight off the bat because Fogarty was yep. injured. So he had Correct. some good. He had some really good good you've, games. You've, you've also got uh, Tyrone Peachy there who can play six, and Dane Laurie who can play six. So um, if they do get rid of Luai early, um, I I don't actually see it being a bad thing for Penrith, and I think it's even a better thing for Nathan Cleary in fantasy. I mean, Penrith, I think the guy that I'd be doing, I'd be keeping Luai for a year. All right, now I'd be tapping Adam Dewey on the shoulder. And saying, what do you want to do for one year? Come over 500k, and then we'll have a look at your contract and see if you're healthy post. Mate, I'm a big fan of Adam Dewey, and I think he would actually take yeah. that. Oh, God, can you imagine Cleary and Dewey as your halves combination? Yeah, man. Oh, in hell. That is, that is juicy. Um, yeah, Adam Dewey, he's not due back because his knee injury was pretty bad, and I think he's back in June. Yeah, so he... I was speaking to a couple of my mates at the gym, and they're, they're mates with him, and they reckon that it might be a write off. Because a writer, the writer season. He has to retire. Oh, the no, season. no, just the season because I don't want to rush him back because it's just so many injuries in a row. And I think the surgery for this one was quite significant as well. Yeah, okay. Oh, that might be juicy for Fantasy 2025. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely keep that on the radar. Now, mate, Mitch Kenny, no doubt that at the back end of the season, they kind of got rid of the whole Sonny Luke thing. So is he maybe someone that we should be tracking? Maybe he needs a three-date to see kind of what his output does, but it's not a lot of hookers that are going to be playing 80 minutes. He might be one of them. I still don't see him as a buy, to be honest. I think that even if you write, like you might be running a Tyrone Peachy uh, on the bench mm. uh, who, who can take into those hooker minutes. Um, we know Mitch Kenny, even though he was um, had a backup hooker, he'd probably go back to lock um, and play a bit there. Uh, but his, his, out, his output wasn't that great. As as in the grand scheme of things, so 
I I don't even have him on my watch list, to be honest. Now, with Stephen Crichton going, mates, there is an open vacancy on the centres there. So, interesting, the man you may name, Talon May, he returns from his ACL injury as well. But Taruva, mate, he was outstanding last year. And I think between the two of them, one of them will fit wing, one of them will fit centre. I do think it's a bit of a shoot-off, though, in the preseason. Yeah, I think May goes to centre, to be honest. Um, I think... How Taruva plays, I think he's just an out-and-out winger. And I think Talon May, on that season that he had uh, when he coming into grade, um, I think he was just a benefit uh, beneficiary of how good that left edge was going. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I see him with his body shape and how he plays. I see him actually getting that centre gig. Um, and then, um, yeah, Taruva's still staying on the wing. Yeah, I'm going to go against you here, mate. I actually think Taruva's going to be... He played very well in the centres for Fiji. And I just do think that his ball skills might help him just move one in and then have the two powerful wingers with the set starts as well with May. And then you don't put so much pressure on May coming back as in the team, especially with that significance of his injury. But I think one of them will be wing, one of them will be centre, and I think both of them can capably do both. We'll have to pin this conversation and put a six-pack on it, I reckon. I think so, mate. Why not? We know we yeah, both done. like our beers, and uh, yeah, we all both like a challenge, so that's, that's a good one. Yeah, we're obese, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Utility spot on the bench here, B, like I mentioned before. Sonny Luke was pretty much that guy for the start of the season. The man that we did just mention, Snyder, I do think that he might have the inside running here, considering they were playing a half from the bench. Maybe Peach as well, but thoughts? Yeah, I think it's going to be peachy because he has so much more versatility. Uh, can play in the 13, can play in the 9, can mm. play in the halves, can play in the centres. Um, I think that's just too valuable. Um, so I see, I see Brad Schneider is going to be like your Jack Cogger and he's going to be only relevant uh, if an injury happens or if um, there's an extended layoff through Origins, etc. For sure. Brad Schneider, well, he played one game. I've got it in front of me here. He played one game against uh, Broncos in round six. He scored a 34. So interesting to see if we get a little discount. No doubt that if he's riding the bench that his average will fall, and then who knows what might happen from there. But the last team we'll cover today here, B, is the Waz, and I know a lot of people will be very interested in this team. Now, 2024 games, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, he returns from Rugby Union. Chanel Harris-Tavita also returns from his year off. Now, 2024 losses, Viliami Uvalea, Bailey Sirenen, uh, Braden Willie Army, Josh Curran, and Valinga Kipu. He is released as well. So, if anything here, B, like considering that they made the top four last year, they added two two very quality guys to their roster here with RTS and also CHT. I've never seen a team with so many abbreviated three letter <laughs> names in this one, mate. But your thoughts? Could they back this up again? Uh, I don't know how they're going to go because I, I reckon Gus Gould's going to get Adam Fanua Blake for 2024 for all you New Zealand fans. Oh, you are so, kidding yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, all, no, jokes aside, he's staying there for 2024. But um, I, I look, if Sean, jo- if, if Sean Johnson can back up the season, even at like 85% of what he did, um, they're a top eight side for me. Um, I think that the losses that they had, like, you know, apart, you know, Valea was a fringe first grader for them. Bailey Sirenen was coming off the bench. Um, Braden Williami wasn't really doing much. Uh, Josh Curran was out of favour. And I don't even know who Valiga Kepu is, to be honest. So, you know, you think about that's your losses, but you're getting Roger Tuovasa-Shek back. Um, and you've got, you've got someone who's already playing fullback, so it's keeping him out of his favourite position. You're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, RTS, man. Like, we know what he's done in the past. 
at this stage, he's probably going to be lining up at centre. But they had two great centres last year, especially Adam Pompey, who people are kind of pushing out of the team at the moment. But I actually do think that he'll probably get the spot there ahead of Rocco Berry at this stage. I think that Pompey was in the team first at this stage. RTS needs to be in there somewhere. I do think it might be, unfortunately, Rocco Berry, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I was about to say, when you were talking about massive centres, you were going to talk about Rocco Berry for about the next 10 minutes. Um, so, no, I see Rocco Berry being the one to, to make way for RTS as well. Yeah, one thing that does concern me is, especially looking at them in the back end of the season, you know, SJ was carrying that injury. Tohu looked very cooked by the end of that prelim. One thing that I do think might happen, especially with kind of with Chanel coming back, I do think if they get off to a good start, we'll see Sean Johnson start getting managed, especially back end of the year and missing games. I'm highly concerned that Tohu Harris will no longer be playing 80 minutes, especially if Jazz Tavanga is available. But thoughts there, mate? Yeah, I agree. Tohu Harris looked like a mummy by the end of the season with all mm. the bandaging that he had on him. So um, I don't... I, and again, with the quality mids that we're getting as well, um, we, we know who the who the go-tos are, like your pain horses and then your... your Bargain buys like your Ruben Cotters, etc. AFB took the next, uh, took another leap again last year. Uh, Joe Tarpany to a degree, even. Mm. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be room for that Tohu Harris. I just think he was convenient last year because of his buy schedule, um, and when he became available at the price he became available. I don't think he's going to be a buy. Yeah, agree, man. Now with Tohu, I think even I think it might be a little bit of a, a wait and see with the draft. Like generally, you'd probably draft him in the second or third round. I think he probably should fall maybe to fourth or fifth. I think there's just way too much risk, man. Yep, I totally agree. Moving on, Kurt Capewell. Now he's got a deal on his table. Now it is in his hands whether he arrives in the team. What are we thinking here, B? If he gets into the team, is it maybe Nicore maybe moving into the mid rotation? Yeah, I, I think so, because Neocore can also play in that back line as well, so it gives you a bit more versatility um, there. Mm. Um, I think it's I think it's a massive loss for the Broncos, to be honest. Good for um, our fantasy stocks, but... Very true for the Broncos players, who we were talking about, like Pierre Cura and Ricky, but um, a lot of the other podcasts that we've listened to are all coming out and saying they'd like to have Capewell for one more year to provide guidance to these young blokes, because mm. you know what you're going to get from him, but... If, if you're those two young blokes, it only takes one of them to have a bad game, then the next one to have the next bad game, and then there's no consistency. So um, I think it's a good buy for the Warriors in terms of leadership. Uh, like they, Again, they've got Tohu, they've got SJ. Um, so like those older heads, RTS is obviously a bit um, older as well. So I don't think that can hurt. And then um, using them to kind of bring in the younger ranks. Yeah, for sure. Now, mate, you know, Tamari Martin actually kicked off the season very well last year, and then We've just talk, talked about Chanel coming back. At this stage, it's probably going to be very unlikely that both of them make the 17, and their quality as well, mate. So in terms of a fantasy relevance here, they're probably both kind of fall in the heap. Wade Egan's another interesting one because he was on fire to start last year. Again, not a lot of hookers that can have the potential to play 80 minutes. Would he be a little look there? He averaged 43 to finish, man. Yeah, shout, shout out to Shooter as well because he always talks up Wade Egan and no one listens to him. <laughs> um, but, but I, the only thing that concerns me is the head knocks that he continually yeah, gets. Um, so not uh, again. I feel like I keep on going back to Reed Marnie. Um, I feel like Reed Marnie's a better shout for that kind of price range. Yeah, mate. Just to the other two is Metcalf for me. I thought he went really well with SJ, and I think he should start as the yeah. six. Yeah, I was going to go into that as well. Uh, is that I actually don't see Tamari or Chanel 
really even making the 17 um, unless you get one of them as the 14, like a utility. Because, um, yeah, I think I think Metcalf's got that X factor at six um, and plays pretty well um, as a as a Robin to Sean Johnson's Batman. Just looking at their buy schedule here, mate, and probably another one to make keep an eye on for draft. If you are playing your draft up to round 27, they have a buy in round 27. So I'll probably stick away from those Warriors players there. They've also got buys in 13 and 19, which is kind of interesting, especially considering they probably won't have any Origin players, man. Yeah, so looking at the squad, how we feel it's going to line up, there's actually no screaming buys for me anyway. Um, So unless you've got some some young player that we don't know that comes in and can make you that cash up until their first buy, which is round 13, um, I don't actually see any real interest for me in any Warriors players, to be honest. Maybe 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 RTS. uh, I think they'll price him too high. They, they again, we we mentioned it last week when players come back and they've been in the NRL. Like when John Bateman came back for the Tigers, they priced him at like a sixty average. Yep. So he so, averaged forty six and a half in his last season in two thousand and twenty one. So yeah. So if they're pricing him at that and he's playing at centre, then he's definitely a no go because you need to see what he's going to offer. Because, you know, centres can only do so much. I guess one of those things that, again, like Bateman, what we did this year, we let his price drop, and then at the right price, I guess he does become interesting. Long season, you never know what happens to maybe Chance as well. Maybe if what this probably would be the scenario that you would do it, he starts at centre, averages in that 30s. He starts dropping really hard, and then all of a sudden maybe there's an injury to maybe a Chance, and then all of a sudden he moves back to fullback, then he's at a price where you can actually do pick him up. So, Yep, and that's exactly what we all did um, last season just gone. We did it with Scott Drinkwater. We did it with Kalen Ponga. We did it with Ruben Garrick. Picking them all up in the 500s, and um, then they hit some form, and they're all, all of a sudden were 650 to 700. Yeah, for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the preview for this week. Like I said, we do have two previews to start the season as well. So if you haven't, this is your first podcast back, just have a little look. We'll have one more next week. We'll have the Roosters, the Tigers, the Dragons, and the Souths to round things up. There's also talking le- uh, sorry, talking shit and then also talking sport. Plenty of preseason content. If you haven't yet, if you could leave us a review, really helps us to continue to grow. You can do that on Apple or Spotify. Beep. Thanks for your thoughts again, my man. You enjoy your concert, man, and hopefully we'll see you again if you survive. Yeah, I know. I'll be right, mate. I'm a robust creature when it comes to mosh pits, so we'll be all right. Is that why you got the tats, mate? Is this all lining up? What are you wearing? What are you wearing tomorrow? Uh, well, it's either going to be basketball singlet and shorts with zippers, so that way I can actually zip up my phone and it doesn't fall out when I'm in those mosh pits. Um, either that, or I've got like this. Um, like those kind of like uh, like you get them from JJ's like the button up shirts there's like all the bright patterns and everything like that with the shorts that match them um, just to be comfortable nice I like so, it we'll see well, ladies and gentlemen if you are out and about where's the thing tomorrow in Brisbane yeah Brisbane RNA showgrounds uh, I'll be I'll be lining up pretty early um, because there's a band called the Plot in You they go on at twelve ten so. Mate, I'll be front and centre for that, I reckon. There you go. So not only is Brenton the chief fantasy player at Talking League, he's also the chief metalhead. So if you've got any questions for B, definitely drop him a line. I'm sure he'll love to talk to you about it. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in again. We'll catch you for one more show before we break for the New Year's. But great to have your company, and we'll see you then.